Hey, Chuck, is it possible we can bring a horse in here with that if we don't screw anything up? I beg your pardon? Well, here we are again, another episode of the Atari 7800 Homebrew Podcast with your host, Sean. This is episode number 36, in which we, and by we, I mean just I, um, I'm the only one here, uh, talk about the Mateos 16-in-1 Atari 7800 rewritable multi-cartridge. So, what's new with all of you? Well, with me, not a heck of a lot, really. Um, I would actually publicly like to thank Chris Parsons for sending me his uh, Vectrex homebrew called Big Blue. It's a fun little game. Your character is a diver, and you have to retrieve a sunken treasure and avoid jellyfish and sharks and uh, all that good stuff and not run out of air. So uh, if you're a Vectrex owner and you don't have it, well, you should get it. In fact, I will... See if I can put a link to that in the show notes. It was really, really nice of Chris to send that my way. Complete in box with the plastic mold, the cartridge, the overlay, the manual, everything. It was really awesome to get that. Other than that, not really a lot going on in terms of uh, gaming for me. I just haven't really had a heck of a lot of time to do a lot. But there's just one thing on my mind. I just have to get off, and I I, I apologize for this, but... uh, there, there is a slight connection to this podcast and what I have to ramble about, but uh, if you've listened to this show regularly, you might remember a little over a year ago when I was on my bike and uh, it was still pretty cold out. I think it was March or February. I took my bike to work and uh, where I live in Chicago, there's a bike trail, bike slash pedestrian trail along the lake, along Lake Michigan called the Lakefront Trail, of course. And I was taking that to work. And when I got downtown, there's a big curve along Lakeshore Drive right around Oak Street, and the trail follows that curve too. And I noticed that a lot of people were seemingly for no reason at all getting outside of the marked lane and kind of riding the edge. And I'm like, what are you people doing? So I stayed in the lane, and then I found out the hard way why they were getting out of the way. There was a big patch of ice, and it was too late to avoid, and I had a really nasty wipeout. And, um, it actually disabled my bike. My bike would not move when I was able to finally get up. And I remember there was this uh, woman jogging behind me. She saw me wipe out and, uh, she helped me gather everything and (laughs) she held my bike up for me so I could readjust myself and everything. And she said, it's a good thing you were wearing your helmet. I said, yeah, but my head didn't even hit the ground. What good did it do me? She said, no, I am a nurse. I've seen plenty of people in comas because they weren't wearing their helmets. You keep wearing that helmet. (laughs) But my entire right side of my body was in pain for a long time. I'm I'm talking weeks. And I did get it checked out. And uh, especially because I could not move my arm in a certain way. I got checked out, got x-rayed, no broken bones or anything. Doctor said, yeah, you just have a sprain. You'll be okay. But ever since that day, I had noticed that when I stood up, my right foot felt really, really weird. And if I intentionally put any weight on it while I was standing up, I noticed a little painful spot in the back of my foot right above my Achilles tendon. So I had it checked out. I went to a doctor, had it, uh, I, I tried to make an appointment with my doctor, but she wasn't in, so she was on vacation. So I had to see another doctor and he said, oh yeah, I know what that is. It's bursitis. 
here's what you do. You take this, uh, I think it was what, 600 milligrams of ibuprofen. He said, take this four times a day, every day for two weeks. It's going to be hard to do because it's easy to forget, but just give it the old college try. So I did, didn't notice anything different. It didn't really improve much. So I went to my regular doctor. She sent me up with an orthopedic surgeon to have it checked out. So he said, well, what I want you to do is get some physical therapy. And um, if that doesn't improve things and come back and see me and uh, we might have to do something further. So I went for physical therapy. And what was interesting is days when I would have physical therapy, my foot would be in so much severe pain, but there'd be times when the day after physical therapy, I wouldn't notice a darn thing. I would try, I would literally try to make the pain come back and it wouldn't come back, but it would eventually come back after a few days. And that same thing would repeat. The physical therapy made just a tiny bit of improvement. So I went back to the orthopedic surgeon and he said, well, okay, what I want you to do is get an MRI. So I got the MRI and he said, okay, by the looks of the MRI, he said, it looks like you're going to need some surgery on this. And I looked at the recommendation. The recommendation said that uh, I think what they were going to do is uh, take some stem cells from my hip bone and use them to somehow lengthen artificially my Achilles tendon, which to me sounds not really like a cure, but a hack. It's like, wait, wait a minute. Your Achilles tendon is a certain length for a reason. Why should it be artificially lengthened? And it would have knocked me out for three or four months. I wouldn't have been able to get on my feet, which is a problem because I like to walk. I like to, and I could walk. I just had a little bit of a limp now and then. And I would have to work from home, which I, I really don't like working from home. It's a lot easier for me to just go to the office and work. And I live on the third floor and there's no elevator in the building. For whatever reason, the apartment building where I live is exempt from certain ADA uh, requirements. Uh, I, I don't know how that works. I'm not a lawyer. And so I think, should I tell my mother about this? She's a nurse, but she's also overprotective of her youngest son. Figured, you know what? What the heck? Hey, mom, guess what? I might need some surgery. She said, what? And uh, I said, yeah. She said, this sounds suspicious. She said, email me your MRI results. So I did. She called me back. She said, you know what? If you look at this MRI, the word minor appears a couple of times. And the word intact appears a couple of times. Sounds like they want to do a heck of a lot to you for something that's minor and intact. And uh, she showed it to a doctor that she works with and, and just kind of said, Hey, this is the MRI from one of our employees. What would you recommend? He's like, no, let's look at that. It looks like eh, do some stretching exercises. It'll get better. So that was it. <laughs> and my mother said, you know what? It's your body. You do what you want. You're a grown man. But if you want my advice, my advice is do not get the surgery. Just do the stretching exercises that your physical therapist recommended. But also the, uh, the orthopedic surgeon said, you need to change your shoes. You, those shoes are falling apart. You got to get new shoes. And my physical therapist said the same thing too. And my, and the orthopedic surgeon recommended a certain kind of shoe, a certain brand, a certain model. He said, here, go to your local fleet feet store or go to one of these other stores. They will have it and, um, check it out the way it's curved. It'll work great with your foot. It'll ease any of the pain that's, uh, that's lingering. So I went, I had it checked out. Sure enough, they have the shoe, but they don't make them in my size. So yay, yay me. The orthopedic surgeon also had me order these uh, 
these gel insoles. And uh, he said, here's the website where you can get them. And it was like $30 each. So I had to spend like 60 bucks on those things. I was like, ah, but they did help. But anyway, I was, uh, go back to my mother's advice. She said, just do those stretching exercises. And she reminded me that my dad had a bone spur about 20 years ago. That was really bad. He actually required crutches. He didn't do any surgery, but eventually went away. She said, just put up with it. Give it about a year. Then later on, she called back. She said, you know what? Your uncle's wife just said she had a bone spur and she said, give it two years. So I'm doing that, um, recently, actually. Longtime listener of the show, Richard. Thank you, Richard, by the way, who uh, knows knows his stuff about shoes. I think he manages, uh, I think he's like regional manager of several um, New Balance stores. And there happens to be a New Balance store in Chicago. He told me, he's like, yeah, go to the one, go to the New Balance store. The employees are trained to get exactly what you need. There's there a local store in my neighborhood that carries New Balance shoes. But he, he said, you know what, they're probably not trained the way that we are to know exactly what kind of shoe fits your needs. So check them out, check out the New Balance store, see what they got for you. And sure enough, I went to the New Balance store in Chicago. It's actually on my way home if I take local city streets on my bike. So I, I pulled over. I said, I need a new pair of shoes. Here's what's wrong with me. I got a bone spur. I also have high arches do this. They tried several different shoes. They said... Here's one we recommend for people in your situation and your body build, your height, and all that good stuff. And sure enough, it's been great. So, man, I am just very grateful for that. Uh, thank you, Richard, for the recommendation. And what's interesting is the last few months, really, the pain from my bone spur has been I, – I wouldn't even call it pain anymore. I, I can tell there's something there every now and then. But I can do stuff I wasn't able to do in the past year. Like I can actually run. <laughs> yeah, believe. Yeah, someone my size running. Yeah, believe it or not, I can actually run. Uh, I will be extremely winded afterwards. But you know, <laughs> so hey, that's been my life. People who know me personally know how I feel about certain things that I'm not going to get into. But uh, one thing I'm going to say though is before you um, before you mock anybody who uses a bone spur as an excuse. Uh, <sighs> which I used to do, by the way, um, that is some real stuff that can be really debilitating. I couldn't even walk down the stairs for a couple of days when this bone spur was flaring up. Yeah. Bone spurs are pretty nasty. So uh, anyway, sorry, I just had to vent about that. Everybody, I apologize for that. Uh, but yeah, I'm feeling uh, my foot is feeling a lot better in the past few months than it has in a while. And it, yeah, the orthopedic surgeon also said, keep riding the bike. He said, that's going to be good for you. And it, and it seems that to me that days when I take my bike to work, that's when my foot is at its absolute best, when I absolutely feel great on that foot. So, hey, I guess there's something to be said about the orthopedic surgeon who wanted to butcher my foot. Uh, but hey, this is not about orthopedics. It's not about New Balance shoes. Uh, New Balance, um, if you're listening to me, uh, sponsor the show. Okay. I just gave you a free plug. Ding. <laughs> Wow, I am so out of it today, aren't I? You know what? I'm going to shut up right now and get into the feature of this episode, the Mateos Cart. Take good care of your feet. First off, those of you who don't have this cartridge, 
you might be wondering, why is it called the Mateos cartridge? Well, first of all, the official name, as it says here on the cartridge that I have in front of me, is Mateos A7800 Rewritable Multi-Game Cart. And specifically the ones, I have two of these actually, and they're both version 3.0 with a date of 2016 on them. It's called Mateos because, well, that's the name of the person who makes them. It's uh, Juan Felix Mateos, and he's in Spain. And he actually makes uh, several of these. I believe his specialty is Vectrex, actually, partly because his website is vectrex.hackermesh.org. And, of course, I'll put that in the show notes. That's actually his general multi-cart website. It covers all the multi-carts. He actually makes these not just for the 7800, but also the Lynx, the Vectrex, the Odyssey 2, or Video Pack if you're in Europe, uh, the Bit Corporation Game Mate, and the, I don't know, is this Watari, the Watari, or as it's called in the UK, Quickshot Supervision. And by the way, if you haven't heard of the Game Mate or the Supervision, those were Game Boy competitors that were kind of rushed out in the early 90s to get in on the handheld craze. Not only do you have the multi-cart, but you also need the burner. There's a separate burner that you need in order to use it. It's a small little piece that you attach to the multi-cart, and the burner has a mini USB port on it, and you connect the mini USB port to your computer, of course. And the burner works on all the multi-carts. So let's say you get the Atari 7800 rewritable multi-cart and the burner, and you decide later, like I decided, that you want to get a Vectrex multi-cart too, you don't need to get a separate burner for that. It's the same burner. The documentation specifies that the burner is Windows, Mac, and Linux compatible, and you don't need any extra drivers or anything. It mounts just like a standard USB drive. I forgot what format it actually mounts at. It's like FAT4 or something, or FAT14. Oh, I think it's FAT12, actually, now that I think about it. The only thing is, if you use an operating system newer than, say, Windows 7, you might have a few issues, and I'll get into that a little later. The actual rewritable cartridge itself, it is a 16-in-1, like I said before, and there's a kind of a rotary switch selector uh, near the top of it, on the top right. And uh, the purpose of that selector is to choose which bank you're going to use. And, of course, there are 16 of them, numbered 0 through 9, and then A through F. So basically hexadecimal numbered right there. On the other side of the top, on the top left, assuming that the console end is at the bottom, of course, there's a little switch that lets you choose between 128K and smaller ROMs and 144K ROMs. The thing is, the cartridge can only accommodate eight 144K ROMs. So if you set it to 144K mode, the 144K ROM takes up two banks. For example, if you switch the uh, mode over to 144K and you put a ROM in bank zero, the selector is in bank zero, it's actually going to take up both bank zero and bank eight. And if you put it in bank one, it's going to take up one and nine, two and A, three and B, etc. So that's how that works. Uh, officially, I think the cartridge only supports eight ROMs in that mode, but I've heard from some people that if you use smaller ROMs in that mode, you can still finagle them so that you can get more than eight, but I haven't tried it myself. On the bottom of the cart, uh, again, assuming that it is pointing so that the console side 
is down, there's a slot where you can put a pokey chip, and I have done that with one of mine. And quite simply, to burn a ROM to the cart, you have to have the burner connected to the burner end of the cart, which is on top, and you have to connect the burner to your computer with a mini USB cable. And then you quite simply copy the ROM over, and there you, there you have it. That's how you, that's how you do it. You select a bank, copy a ROM, and it's done. And repeat that for every bank you want to copy a ROM to. It's a little bit more than that, but I'll get into that a little bit later. To play the game, you just remove the burner from the cartridge, and you put the cartridge in your 7800 as if it were a normal 7800. You choose the bank, fire up the console, and you play. That's it. There are some caveats, though. The most important thing that I have to tell you, very important, folks, please make darn well sure that you attach the burner to the correct end of the cart. Make sure it goes to the burner end, which is on the top. If you attach it to the console end, you will fry the cartridge. Some users have discovered that, sadly, the hard way. One thing you might want to consider, though, is taking an Atari 7800 cartridge shell, like from a really common or cheap one, like Karateka or Pole Position 2 or whatever else you have, and customize it to hold your Mateos cart. And that way, you will know that you're properly attaching the burner because you can only attach the burner one possible way when the Mateos cart is actually in a 7800 shell. And not only do you have to attach the burner on the correct end, but it also has to go in the correct orientation. So on the Mateos board where the burner gets connected, there's a row of X's on one side and a row of O's on the other side. Right below the O's, it says proudly made in Spain. The burner also has a row of X's on one side and a row of O's on the other. You quite simply just have to make sure that the X's line up with the X's, the O's line up with the O's. Um, I'm holding this up to my webcam right now, which is useless to you because number one, my webcam is not on. And number two, this is an audio podcast. So screw it. I'm taking it away from the webcam. But on the burner, I actually stuck a label on the uh, burner port that says this end up. So I know which way to orient it. And something I did with the Mateos cart that has a pokey chip, by the way, I put a label on the pokey chip that says no burner. So that way I know not to attach the burner to that end. Of course, it's useless now because my Mateos cart that has the pokey chip in it is now housed in a pole position two cartridge. And so I can't even see that, but it doesn't matter because, Hey, you can't attach the burner that way unless you try really, really hard. In fact, I'm trying right now and it won't let me because there's not enough space. So, Hey, also something else you need to remember when you're going to play a game off the Mateos cart, please make sure you take the burner off first, because if you don't take the burner off and you go to play the game, uh, your console won't turn on and you'll be freaking out. Why is my console not turning on? <laughs> but once you remove the burner, it should turn on. I've done that several times. It's like, what happened? Oh, the burner's still on. Okay, here we go. And also, um, you probably concluded this by now if you don't have one of these things, but just so you're not surprised, if you don't own a Mateos cart and you plan to get one, both the cartridge and the burner are bare. They're just bare boards. There's no case for either one of them. Uh, except actually there is a shell available for purchase for the burner. It's 3D printed, I think. I don't know if one actually sells it or if somebody else does that, but it, it's uh, listed on his website though. There's 
Interestingly, no shells specifically for the rewritable cartridge. But anyway, getting back to um, how to load up your Mateos cart with some ROMs, again, you copy the files from your computer directly to the, again, attach the burner to the cartridge properly, the correct end with the X's and O's lining up properly, connect that to your computer. The Mateos cartridge is going to mount on your computer as a external drive, really, with the name drive underscore name, drive underscore name drag the file over to the cart. And there are a couple of things about that file. First of all, it cannot have a header attached to it. So it can't be one of those .a78 files. If that's all you have, you have to strip them somehow. Uh, if you don't know how to strip them, the good news is there is a utility right there on Juan Mateos's website that will do it for you. You don't even have to download it. You just fill out a web form and it does it for you. Uh, the bad news is if you follow the link on his website, it actually goes to the links stripper utility. The better news though, is that in the show notes, I will have a direct link to the proper utility. And not only do you have to have a stripped version of the ROM, but it also has to be named a certain way. Generally, the ROM has to have an extension of dot and then the size of the ROM. For example, in fact, this is actually printed on the Mateos cart too. It has examples of different ROM sizes in different games. If you wish to put, say, Donkey Kong, the original 7800 Donkey Kong, that is, onto your Mateos cart, it is a 48K ROM. The file name has to have the extension .48K. The K has to be capitalized. If the name of the ROM is Donkey Kong.bin, you have to rename it to Donkey Kong.48 uppercase K. Generally, that's how it works. There are a few differences. For example, Xenophobe has to end with dot SG uppercase, of course. Jinx has to end with dot SGR. Commando has to end with dot SGP. And by the way, an extension that ends with P tells the Mateos cart, hey, this is a pokey game. Please use the pokey chip. Which is really uh, something to think about because, hey, if you have a pokey chip on your Mateos cart and you put, say, Pac-Man Collection on it, if you simply name the extension with a K at the end of it, it's going to use the Tia version of Pac-Man Collection. But if you name it with a, a P at the end of the extension, it's going to use the pokey chip and you'll get much better sound. So games that use a pokey chip, the extension has to end in P. Also, if you're using an Activision ROM, like say Double Dragon and probably Rampage, then the extension has to be .ac. But there's a guide to that both on Mateos's website and on the cartridge itself. And also something to realize when you are copying the files over to the Mateos cart, the bank that you are using must have only the file that you are copying. And this is why people with newer operating systems have a problem with the cartridge because newer operating systems do a few checks and things on everything that's copied back and forth to an external drive and might put a couple of extra files in there, especially with say the Mac operating system. If you're using a Mac, say anything earlier than Sierra, don't drag and drop it. Instead, use the terminal utility to manually copy things over. And then when you do that, Remove anything that ends up in drive name that is not the actual ROM. 
Like, for example, if you copy a ROM file that's named Donkey Kong.48K, if you do a directory display of the entire contents on a Mac or on even Linux, really, uh, you have to CD over to drive underscore name and you have to type LS space hyphen L, I think. I think that'll do it. That'll show you everything, including the hidden files. You'll see that there's another file in there called dot underscore Donkey Kong dot four eight K. Get rid of that. Get rid of anything that is not Donkey Kong dot four eight using the RM command. If any phantom directories happen to show up, then you have to empty those with the RM command and then delete the directories with the RMDIR command. If you're using Sierra or newer on a Mac, you have to do something completely different. You actually have to boot your Mac into recovery mode and use the terminal application from recovery mode to do that. That is the only way I found to get the Mateos cart working on the latest operating system. I did a video about how to do that uh, some time ago, maybe about a year ago, and I'll link that in the show notes. And also people who use certain antivirus utilities on Windows have similar problems. They notice that there are some extra files being copied over. You're going to have to remove those as well. I think there are some workarounds for newer operating systems. I don't know off the top of my head um, because at home I'm a Mac user and at work I have Windows 7, so I don't really have the same problems that a lot of people are having. <laughs> but just keep that in mind. If you use something newer than Windows 7, or if you use a Mac, you might have to do some extra work. Does it bother me? No, not at all. Uh, I think it's totally worth it. This is a great cartridge to have, especially when a new homebrew comes out. Uh, someone posts a work in progress or something. Hey, I can try that sucker. I can drag it under my Mateo screen. Oh, except for Panda Racer and uh, Rider of the Night, because those were, I think, what were they, 512K or 256K? which the Mateos doesn't support. It only goes up to 144K, which will accommodate a vast majority of 7,800 ROMs. Does the Mateos cart work on Atari 2600 ROMs? No, just 7,800. And really, that's all there is to say about the Mateos cart itself and the functionality of the Mateos cart. Um, if you decide to build a case for your Mateos cart using a 7,800 cartridge, uh, you'll have to do some modifications. Um, ideally, use a Dremel. If you don't have a Dremel, go get one. They're not very expensive. And you'll have to cut some pieces of plastic out. Like where the end label is, you have to remove that piece. There are some pieces on the inside you'll have to cut out as well. And I think, I think newer Atari 2600 cartridges made by Atari, like the red label cartridges, and I think maybe the silver label cartridges, I think those can work too. But I can tell you from personal experience, though, the uh, older ones with the different color font on the end label, like, for example, Street Racer, <laughs> I tried that one once, didn't work. It wasn't a good choice, but hey, live and learn, right? Well, that's uh, my thoughts on the Mateos cart. Again, I like it very much. I have two of them, in fact, one with Pokey, one without. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to you, the listener, to hear what a select few of you had to say about the Mateos card. Laurel, 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 Laurel. Let me on, let me on, let me on, let me on. 
on them. And there seemed to be an interesting pattern on people who responded about the Mateos cart. It seems that the people who are primarily Atari.io users either don't have one or ordered one and it hadn't arrived yet, so they couldn't really comment much on it. But if you go over to Atari age, there was plenty, plenty to say about that. So that having been said, let me go to Atari age first and uh, share what people had to say there. Crossbow, who uses both Atari age and Atari.io, but he uh, first posted on Atari age saying, simply put, the Mateos 16-in-1 or 8-in-1 in 144K mode is the most compatible flash multicart available for the 7800 currently. I love mine. It isn't the easiest multicart I've worked with since it requires the additional burner slash dumper module to be plugged into it and then into your computer in order to update the data on it. It is finicky to get working on anything newer than Windows 7 without some old school DOS command knowledge and you are restricted due to flash space, as you can only store 16 games at once if they are 128K or less in size, or 8 games max if you have the cart set to 144K mode for larger games. Physically, the cart is built well with proper components, but some might find the overall bulk of the cartridge to be a bit much, especially if you want to house it in an old 7800 cartridge shell, as it requires cutting the cart shell to fit it in properly, or modification of the Mateos cart itself for it to better fit in a standard 7800 shell. It is supposedly possible to mix and match ROMs of different sizes to be able to mix both 128K and lesser games in addition to 144K games and have more than the 8 game limitation, but I believe it to be the most stable if you just stick to only 16 games or only 8 games depending on the mode you have it set to. Additionally, it can't accept anything larger than 144K, so any newer homebrews in the future that use larger bank switch methods, etc., obviously can't be loaded onto this cart. But so far, there are only a small, select number of homebrews or work-in-progress games in which this would be an issue. But at least for everything I wanted to play and new work-in-progress homebrews I've been interested in checking out, Mateo's cart for the 7800 has been excellent. It is also quite affordable as well when compared to other flashcards for other systems. So again, for my needs, it has been great and works just as I expect it and need it to. And until something better comes along that has a better track record of working, it is the best option available as a flash multi-cart for the 7800. Crossbow, thank you so much for your thoughts on that. Now, this is um, interesting on more than one occasion in that response crossbow's wording kind of implied that there might be something else available uh if that's true i would absolutely like to know <laughs> the only other thing that i know of that's basically load something up load up a rom and play it on your 7800 that i know that's ever gotten out was the cuddle cart 2 of course and some very 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 limited quantities of the concerto cart which hasn't yet been finished and released and i really don't think anything better is going to come along guaranteed to be working anytime soon simply because of the compatibility issues among different 7800 consoles probably going to be a long time coming just simply because of that i also have heard that you can mix and match sizes but uh like i said before i have not actually tried that so i can't really say i think it was bobby adad moore who on more than one occasion told me he has done that successfully me, I haven't tried. I haven't really had reason to try, to be honest with you. 
And uh, moving on, Save2600, here's an interesting comment. Save2600 says, as neat as it is, I skipped buying into this for the reasons above, meaning crossbows reasons uh, with uh, newer operating systems, Windows 7, etc. And there's no Mac support? Even still, and at this point, all I want to do is pop an SD card full of programs into a cart and that's it. Have been, quote-unquote, patiently waiting for Concerto now for some time. Hope it sees the light of day sometime soon. And yeah, there absolutely is Mac support. It's uh, compatible with Mac and Linux. You just might have to do some extra things, but yeah, I just want to make that perfectly clear. There is absolutely Mac support. Uh, not so much Mac support, so to speak, because it's uh, just basically mounting like a flash cartridge of some kind. There's no driver necessary, but yeah, it will work on a Mac. And thank you, Save2600. And we go over to Smitty B, who says programming for the 7800 using emulators to test is okay, but the Mateo 16-in-1 is exactly what I was looking for to play and test my code on real hardware, where the fun is really at. I imagine most people who are used to uh, SD card adapters for other consoles will find it a bit clunky to set up, and you do need to find a process that works for you. But for my uses, it's perfect. The real cherry on top for me is a slot for the pokey chip, which I've filled with one salvage from a dead 8-bit. No commandos or ball blazers were harmed in the pokeyfying of my Mateo 16-in-1. I think everyone should have one. And thank you for that, Smitty B. In fact, I have a feeling that this, I, I don't, I really don't know. I haven't asked one myself, but I have a feeling that this was actually designed with developers in mind, given how it's basically a bare board, really. Usually something like that, that's not all that elegant looking. That's the whole purpose. Like, hey, you want quick access to the board so you can dump your files? Here you go. And uh, let's see, TEP392. Oh, here we go. This is something important that I have to read here. Tet392, the brilliant programmer behind Donkey Kong PK, Donkey Kong XM. He says, I loved mine before I broke it. Sadly, I made the careless mistake of plugging the programmer into the wrong end and fried my cart. That's something to be very careful about if you have one of these. I found that putting it in a cart shell was necessary because it would shake and cause the game to crash if the console got bumped. You have to cut open the end of the cart but it's pretty easy if you have a Dremel. With the Cuddle Cart 2 being unobtainium and the Concerto having no line of sight to completion, it's a great option and very reasonably priced. I've used mine to put all the Pokey Homebrew games on a single cart. Bentley Bears Crystal Quest, Donkey Kong PK, Froggy, Beef Drop, Pac-Man Collection, Pac-Man 320, and Ms. Pac-Man 320 make for a great Pokey multi-cart. Thank you, Perry, for saying that. And I can kind of speak to some of this myself. Uh, yeah, you absolutely have to be careful to put the burner on the correct end. And one of the advantages of putting your Mateos cart into a 7800 cartridge shell is that it pretty much makes it impossible to put the burner in the wrong end. I do have to say this, though. I did put mine in a uh, pole position two shell and... I actually found it to be less stable, believe it or not. You have to have it just right. And when I use the cart inside a shell, I have to kind of be very careful how I position it or else the console won't be able to read it properly. I actually have better luck with the one that I don't have inside the shell. <laughs> but, and, and yeah, ever since I put it in the shell, it was not quite as accurate as before. <laughs> 
I don't know. I, I, it, it just might be because that was really, truly only the first time I tried to house the uh, shell with something completely different. There is a lot of dremeling involved. You have to cut out the end label, like actually physically cut the plastic out. And there is some other dremeling you might have to do to the uh, inside of the cart as well. Gambler172 says Mateo's cart is great, especially for the good price. Most ROMs work, and it is great for testing your own programs. And uh, as usual, that's all Walter had to say. <laughs> Very short and sweet. Thank you, Walter. Thank you. I can't speak to uh, testing the programs, but I'm absolutely positive that's a, that it's great for that. Uh, and yeah, and that's I think that's what the third comment so far about the price. Yeah, these things have a pretty good price. I mean, they're like you would expect a multi cart like this, like the Cuddle Cart Two, was what two hundred dollars I think. And yet U.S. dollars, the burner plus the Mateos cartridge is well under a hundred dollars. So that's a pretty good deal. And if you get the burner, you don't have to buy it again. If you get another multi cart, so that's a really cool thing there. S. Ramirez 2008 says, I love my Mateos rewritable multi-game cartridge. Juan provides everything you'll need to load your cart. Burner, A78 file converter, and file extensions. And I have found it very easy to use. The ability to add a pokey chip is a huge plus and made this an insta-buy for me. Honestly, the only issue with this cart is its limitation to store 8 to 16 games, and that's not a big deal. I use it often and recommend it, smiley face. Shout out to Juan for making this cart and to Vectrex Rolly for bringing it to our attention. Full disclosure, I have a Windows 7 laptop that I keep around for stuff like this. <laughs> Thank you, uh, S. Ramirez 2008, for your thoughts on that. And uh, he linked to a thread about the Mateos cartridge, and I will put that link in the show notes as well. I will also put a direct link to the a78 file converter because again like i said before the link on the website actually takes you to the links converter i think it was just a code copy paste oversight there and you forgot to change the uh, the link it's actually if you if you're observant it's an easy change to make on your own but i'll just make it a little bit easier for you pacman plus the famous bob de crescenzo says i can't get mine to work no matter what i do I have the switch set to 128K, copy a 16K file to slot zero, rename the extension to .16K, and I get nothing. I really wanted this to work since I no longer have my cuddle cart. Oh, oh man, that sucks. I hope uh, hope Bob gets that working. I hope you get it working, Bob. Um, I did see, as usual, a lot of people stepping in to offer some assistance, so that was great to see. See, I like to be fair. If someone has uh, something not positive to say, I want to include that as well. Swami on Atari Age also, he says, works great, except never got Bentley Bear's Crystal Quest to have sound. I believe TEP392 made a special version of DKXM to work in the Mateos, and that works great. Both are extra large sized pokey ROMs. Thank you, Swami. And that's interesting that you said that about uh, Crystal Quest not having sound, especially if you, uh, I'm guessing that you have a pokey on your Mateos cart. Uh, I actually did have Crystal Quest on my Mateos cart before the Crystal Quest cartridge was released and the sound worked fine on mine. The only thing is I could not get the difficulty switches to work properly for some reason in that game. I couldn't get the two fire button thing going. And uh, what was interesting though, was uh, when I was having that problem with the Mateos cart, Bob actually shipped me his own Crystal Quest cartridge because he knew that I wanted to demonstrate it at Midwest Gaming Classic. 
So I brought it with me to, to Midwest Gaming Classic. And then suddenly at Midwest Gaming Classic, Crystal Quest worked perfectly off my Mateos cartridge. <laughs> so I just immediately, but like that same day, that Saturday, I brought that cartridge to the uh, front desk where I was staying. And I said, can you guys ship this for me? And they did. So I just wanted to make sure he got it back in time. But uh, yeah. But there's a little bit of a follow-up to that. I think the reason that Crystal Quest wouldn't work on Swami's Mateo's cart was simply because of uh, the memory location where the pokey routine was, and uh, that might have had something to do with it. But, uh, hey, what do I know? I'm not a programmer for the Atari 7800. I'm just a podcaster. Oh, and later on, Swami followed up. I think the Mateo's cart is fantastic. I have the following pokey ROMs loaded now, and they all work perfectly. Donkey Kong PK, Donkey Kong XM. That's the same game, though, isn't it? Uh, Bentley Bears Crystal Quest, Super Circus Atari Age. Three versions. As some have paddles, some have joystick, one may have both. Uh, I thought that you can, you can select the different controller within the game. You don't need three. Oh, well. Oh, well, it's okay. Uh, Froggy, Pac-Man Collection, Pac-Man Arcade, Beef Drop, Ball Blazer, Commando. I may add the pokey slash improved graphics act of Double Dragon as well. What? What that was somebody somebody actually put that out. I thought it wasn't. Oh well, man. What I wouldn't do for the uh, improved rampage. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry about that, Swami. Sorry, sorry to derail that. Uh, Swami continues. This is the only cart being sold now for seventy eight hundred ROMs. Okay, thank you for clearing that up. Which makes it invaluable to seventy eight hundred gamers and ROM testing on real hardware. Even though I have Donkey Kong PK, Crystal Quest, Ball Blazer, and Commando on original cartridge, it is nice to have them on a multi-cart as well. I use my previous laptop that still has Windows XP to strip .a78 files and load ROMs, and it works great for this. The cheapest 7800 cart I could find was a baseball one, so I made a cart out of that with the cutaway. And thanks again, Swami. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah, really, just... Get the cheapest Atari 7800 cartridge you can find and uh, sacrifice that to uh, make your Mateo shell. I used a Pole Position 2 cartridge for one of mine, and I bought another Pole Position 2 cartridge for my other Mateo's cart. I haven't done uh, any housing on that one yet, though. But uh, let's see, that was all from Atari Age. And if I go over to... Email homebrew78 at fab4it.com. I heard from Richard Grounds, who says, I think that the Mateos 16-in-1, or 8-in-1, the way that I use it, is a great piece of homebrew hardware for the Atari 7800. When I decided to get back into this hobby for the second time in mid-2016, one of my first purchases was the Harmony Encore. Everyone knows what the harmony is that listens to this podcast, so I won't address those details. Uh, just to be safe, I, um, Richard, I'm going to interject right here. The harmony cartridge is for the 2600, actually, and you can load up 2600 ROMs on an SD card and pop it into that harmony cart and play the games off of there, and it's a wonderful device. It'll also work on the 7800, but only 2600 ROMs will play on it. And the Encore is the latest version of the Harmony, and more ROMs are compatible with it. But anyway, uh, going back to uh, what Richard says here, I decided that I also wanted to get into the 7800 as it was a console that I wanted as a kid and couldn't convince my parents to use their limited income for a 2600 upgrade. In 2016, when my first Atari collecting objective was to find a working 7800 and try and get it AV or S-video modded. 
This was pretty easy to check off the list. Then came the games. My initial goal was to acquire all the great arcade ports that there were. Again, for me, a pretty easy accomplishment. With that quick background, I'll get back to the topic of the Mateos cart. I immediately started researching options for a multi-cart option for the 7800, like I had in the Harmony for the 2600. I found there were a couple of possibilities. The nearly impossible to find and expensive to buy Cuddle Cart 2 that we learned about in episode 34. There was also the mystical unicorn, the Harmony 2, or Concerto Cart. Alas, this mystical in beta beast is a whole other episode. The other option I found was Juan Mateos 16 in 1. The Mateos seemed to be the most accessible in terms of price and availability, so I placed my order for a board and a burner. After learning some of the workarounds needed to get ROMs on the cart with Windows 10, I was off and running. It was great to play demos of Donkey Kong PK and Froggy, Pac-Man Collection and Pac-Man 320, and Ms. Pac-320 and other upcoming homebrews on my 7800. It has been a great investment as a limited flash cart for the 7800. It is the main one I recommend when someone asks about a flash cart on a Facebook group post or forum post. While it is limited on the number of games you can have on it, especially in 144K mode, as I'm sure the host has already talked about, the Mateos is a decent enough solution to have and use for a 7800 multi-cart. And thank you, uh, Richard, for that feedback right there. And something I think Richard might have implied, I don't know if he was in, if he intended to imply this, but the email does imply it. I really do feel that when you decide I'm going to start collecting for such and such a console, the very first thing you should do is look into getting a multi-cart for it. If you decide to start collecting for the 7,800, look for the Juan Mateos multi-cart. If you were collecting for a 2600, get the Harmony cart. If you're collecting for something newer like the NES or one of the uh, 16-bits, look for the EverDrive. You know, get, it's like, just do it. That should be the first thing you look for just to guarantee that you can play stuff on the, uh, on the console without having to um, track down, say, expensive and rare uh, cartridges or whatever else have you. And also you can play the homebrews, you can play the works in progress and get a feel for that. So yeah, just, just do that. It'll really, you'll, you'll really be, really be glad you did, especially because a lot of times those multi-carts suddenly stop production and, uh, man, I wish I would have had that, that, uh, cuddle cart too, <laughs> but, um, thanks again for your feedback on that, um, Richard. And this time we actually have an audio feedback and Hey, it's from our friend, Bobby Adad Moore. Bobby, what do you have to say? Hey up Sean and apologies to Ferg for not sending feedback to him in audio form and for sending it to you first. I've sort of been promising Ferg I'd do it for a while and, um, I ain't done. So sorry. Oh, Matthias cartridges. Oh, I love them. I've got five of the buggers. Uh, I think the first one I got was the one for the Atari Lynx. And at the time, he wasn't doing the 7800 one. And I asked uh, Juan if he was planning to do one. And he said he was open to, and he would let me know if and when he did. And then I got, I think I got the video pack, Odyssey 2 one next. 
Um, I got a Vectrex cartridge off him, not because I had a Vectrex at the time, because I'd sold mine about 10 years before that, but I knew that I was going to be getting one, and I didn't want to miss out if if one ever stopped making the Vectrex one, so I thought, sod it, I'm going to get one, I've got it on standby, I've got it there, and I've since got a Vectrex, and love it. Um, I also got the one for the Supervision, which is the small little handheld thing, which was similar to the Game Boy, but infinitely crapper. Uh, but it means I can play all the games on it, because some of those are mentally expensive. But yeah, then I finally got a message off uh, Juan saying that he was making the um, 7800 one, and I, just, I needed one of them. Need one, so sent him money got the one and just yeah so happy with it proper happy with it until i started using it on the i think i was using it on an xp windows xp computer at first absolutely no problems at all absolutely loved it and then started using it on a vista computer i think it was and it started chucking a bit of a wobbler every time i'd sort of like uh, eject the cartridge and then plug it into the console it wouldn't see the file it took me ages working out what it was um, I'd, I'd email one he didn't know at the time and I basically accidentally just pulled it out of the USB socket one day uh, without ejecting it and then put it in the console and it worked a treat and that was when I worked out that the, the, um, ejecting it must have something to do with adding more files into it or something and it wasn't seeing the game file one was thinking it might be Norton that was not an antivirus that was causing it but I'd, I'd disabled that and that wasn't doing it uh, so now I've, because I've got oh, I've, I still mainly use XP with it and that's fine and I use Vista occasionally with it and I just rag it out of there and I've got a Windows 10 desktop that I use the same same technique just Pull it out, don't bother ejecting it, stick it in the console, fine, absolutely fine. Uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things about his carriages, they're so cheap, <laughs> and that sounds like a bad thing, but they're really not, they're, they're just basic, really simple, irritable um, EPROMs on there, the EEPROMs, and they're just doddle to use, he just stick them in, copy the thing over, there's no flash menus and stuff like that, no SD cards, no messing about, you just, it's good old fashioned flash cards, just like the old bung stuff that uh, used to get made for Game Boys and stuff, you know, you'd stick it in the the reader, uh, the writer, sorry, flash the game to it, take the game out, stick it in your Game Boy, that'd work fine, these things are exactly the same principle, uh, like I say, no menus, just quick and easy and dirty, and the ugliest sin as well, and I like that. I can't think of what else to say. I, I, I recommend these things to absolutely everyone that I've ever talked to. I think I've recommended them to you as well, Sean. Probably probably about 10 people that own them because I've just banged on about them and said how good they are, and they just are. They're just good. They just work, and no waiting for a concerto. So, yeah, they're great. Love them. Anyway, that'll do me. That's a really, really long bit of... Uh, I'm just looking at the order. Four minutes 30. Feel free to edit this down, Sean, because I'm rambling and I've made no notes whatsoever and I'm done. I'm spent. Sorry again, Ferg. I will send you feedback. See ya. Hey, now I have something to hold over Ferg. <laughs> oh, anyway...
So, Bobby, yeah, you did recommend the Mateos cart to me. That was how I first heard about it, in fact. I remember um, back when I first started doing this podcast, and I did hint that I would be covering homebrew hardware as well. You said, well, you better cover that Mateos cart. And you told me several times about it. I was like, okay, okay, I'll try it. And I was like, okay, yeah, I need this sucker. Yeah, they are pretty ugly because it's just a bare board. So, But you know what? Doesn't matter if it works. Doesn't matter if it works well. And you heard it here, folks. Somebody actually has a supervision. Windows Vista, really? Oh, man. I feel very bad for you, my friend. I feel terrible for you. <laughs> but thank you for sharing your experiences with uh, Windows 10 and Norton and all those. And yeah, I should I should mention that, too, that uh, usually when I copy ROMs from my Mac to the Mateos cart, I don't do the formal eject thing at all. I just pull the cable right out. I don't do the proper eject technique. And of course it yells at me. It's like, Hey, you're supposed to eject that first. I, I know, but Hey, but yeah, I never thought about that. That actual formal ejection process might actually put some additional stuff there. I never thought of that, but yeah, you're absolutely right. That might happen. So there you go. You heard testimony from Bobby Idad and Bobby. I thank you so much for taking the time to record that and um, hope it won't be your last. And uh, that's going to be it for feedback. Which wraps up this episode of the Atari 7800 Homebrew Podcast. And I realized that was not a complete sentence. I don't care right now. All I care about is, hey, I have two Mateos carts, and I have a Vectrex one on the way. Can't wait to try that sucker out. I highly recommend it. It is less intuitive and easy than just a simple drag and drop to an SD card, pop the SD card into a cartridge deal, like, say, the Harmony cart or the EverDrive cartridges. But it's still a wonderful resource to have for a 7800, especially because right now this is the only thing that is available in which you can play a custom cartridge on your 7800. Highly recommend it. I It's worth the price, and the price is pretty surprisingly not expensive at all for these things, even if you figure in the cost of the burner. But all the uh, relevant links and uh, goodies will be in the show notes for episode 36. But what about episode 37? I'll tell you about that after I take care of some higher priority things such as thanking the people who have generously financially supported this podcast. Thank you in alphabetical order to Airshack, Adladen Controllers, Kyle Etter, Jimmy G, Great Offender, Richard Grounds, PJ Steele, and Richard Valdez. Thank you all so much. I really do appreciate it. If you did not hear your name on that list, but you would like to hear your name on that list, well, you can go to patreon.com slash homebrew78. And Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com. And you can help out this show financially by giving a dollar or more every month. In the meantime, you can reach out to me at homebrew78 at fab4it.com. Over email, I accept text and audio. And the show notes that I keep referring to, how do you get to the show notes? Well, you go to the web to homebrew78.fab4it.com. And in each case, fab4it is spelled F-A-B. 
and then the number four, and then IT.com. My Twitter handle is homebrew78, and my YouTube channel is homebrew7800. In the meantime, episode 37 coming up next, it's going to be about a brand new homebrew game that I don't even think the ROM has been published before yet. So this is going to be uh, interesting how this is going to be handled. I don't know if I'm going to get any feedback at all on this, aside from people who actually bought the cartridge, but it's going to be Lava Lamps and 8-Track Theater. Lava Lamps and 8-Track Theater, based on a radio show of the same name. In the meantime, thank you everybody so much for listening. Thank you for your support, both monetary and moral. And I also ask that you support these hardworking homebrew developers, such as Juan Mateos, and those who make the homebrew games that most of these episodes were about. Please give them the support they deserve. Talk to you in a couple of weeks, everybody. Thank you again.